Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 125. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I continue our conversation with Colby moms and academic advisors, Karen Allgood, Kristen Pizzurro, and Erica Treat. From keeping things running smoothly to working on a spirit of charity in the family and more, we'll draw on our guests' experience and wisdom. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hey, Stephen, we're back for the second part of our conversation we started last week with, with Erica and Karen and Kristen. That was a lot of fun last week, so I'm looking forward to some of the listener questions and things in our discussion today. That's right. We've been asking people to send us questions about matters that impact their school-at-home approach, some of which we're going to pitch to these ladies back with us again today. Let's start off with the topic of special needs, as I know we have some special needs specialists here. What sort of overarching guidance would you give to families who have students with special needs or suspect that there might be undiagnosed or unidentified special needs? Just going to say, just reach out. Like Karen's got the K through eight. I've got the high school. Just ask, like if something is not working and your student has a special need, just reach out. Karen and I pool together what we know. Karen's got that background in special needs. And I just have, I have special needs kids. So, um, so, and different types. So lots of years of therapies and, um, and tools, but then also lots of resources to reach out to if I don't have the answer. Um, so just ask, 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 um, and don't wait, don't wait until everyone's in tears, right? Your student, you, everyone's crying and you're calling me and it's okay. If that's a, if that's where we're at call still, but let's call before then. Yeah. And kind of what I touched on earlier, I get a lot of that, like, and I get a lot of, a lot of like my first grader can't read and, and crying and, and what am I doing wrong? And she can't spell and she can't do these things. And it feels so big in the moment. Right. And it's really going to be okay, but it's so individual too. Right. So, so call because we can talk through the very, the specifics of your exact situation and figure out different things to try and, and it's going to crash and burn probably four or five, six times. That's fine. It's fine. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. Okay. What always seems to me like the special services teachers, my wife has always loved working with different learning disabilities and, and things like that. And it just seems like there's a detective sort of relentless yeah. search quality that you have yeah. to have to, to just like, don't be satisfied until you get to the get to the bottom of that problem. I love that part of it too. I love figuring out the puzzle and putting all the pieces together. And we're going to try this thing. And oh, that didn't work. That was a disaster. <laughs> try something different. And oh, that didn't work. We're going to try something. I I love that. It's definitely what I'm passionate about. And I love talking to families about it and trying to put the puzzle pieces together and figuring out what's going on and what we need to, what we need to do. Cause it's so different for every kid, even with a similar diagnosis, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's vastly different. Like you talk about a dyslexic kid that could mean hundreds of things. Yep. I've had, you know, just families over the years, families that I've talked to, and then working with Colby that don't want 
necessarily to have accommodations or they don't want it to hold their student back. And just trying to remind and reassure these parents that their children are blessings and God created them this way. And there's, it's not a crutch. Their brains literally work differently and you are their best advocate. So when they get into high school, you do have to teach them to advocate for themselves because they're going to have to do that um, when they become adults. But um, really advocating for them and saying this is not working for them and saying, well, yeah, because it's not it's not clicking for whatever reason, that part of their brain works differently. So let's work with their brain rather than against it and find the way that unlocks, you know, everybody just like everybody learns math differently, whether you have a learning need or not, um, we all learn math differently. And it's finding that key that unlocks how you learn math that makes the rest of math make sense. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that was big for when everyone else was growing up, but used to say, well, I'm just not good at math. Well, no, you just haven't been presented math in a way that makes sense to you. And I think that's how we ended up down the common core track. So if this way wasn't going to make sense for everyone, then we're going to go down this way. And it's not that it's one way is not better than the other or worse than the other. It's that they're different because they, they help different types of brains. Yeah. I get that a lot too with, I don't want a label. I don't want to label my child. If, if they have that, it's going to follow them forever. And they have this, this mysterious label over them. And I don't, I push back about against that some, like, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I really do, but it's not like that. It's more like figuring out exactly how your brain works and that label, you know, guides me in the right direction. So maybe I can at least have a little more, a little more to go on, on what maybe are some things that we can try to make it work. And that, that label doesn't go anywhere with you. It doesn't do anything other than try to help inform me that you what you can do. It's no different than going to the doctor and figuring out if you have a cold or the flu, it might change how we treat it, you know, and it's, it's helpful information. I, I've run across that. I, I administered this. I've talked about this before in the podcast as well, I guess, but this ability battery um, that it, it tests for some of your learning, your ability to learn your memory. Um, and so sometimes I'll get a, I would get a student in high school or college and like they've got all low learning abilities and so it's like oh it's so depressing and so you can say well i bet school was kind of hard wasn't it and they're like yeah school is really hard but you know for me i have a really low verbal memory which is the ability to learn by reading to be able to hold that i went through a great books program i mean and did well so it's just because your abilities aren't low it's like learning, like you're saying, learning the strategies. How how do I learn best? How can I combine these? And sometimes it's just slogging through and knowing you can you can do it because even whether it's a, a disability, learning disability that you have, or just poor learning memories, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't have an effect on the the end product. It's that's that's much more than just kind of what what you're given by God, I guess, or the crosses you might have been given by God, but. Yeah, we're all going to the same place. We're just going to get there different ways and and that's okay. And and helping us help you figure out which way is going to be the smoothest <laughs> is a good thing. Okay, we'd love to hear your thoughts on how to problem solve and keep school running as smoothly as possible. Maybe um, proactive tips or even if the wheels fall off the school day, 
What do you think? So I think this kind of touches back to figuring out your teacher style a little bit, right? Like I am, my teaching style is very much a planner and a box checker. And I know that about myself and I have to fight back against it sometimes, right? But for me, the way to get my day to run smoothly is that I have to have a routine and a schedule. My husband sometimes will come downstairs and laugh at me and, and, to poke fun at us and say, you have 17 seconds left for lunch, kids. And it's not really like that, but, but I am a big schedule person and that works for my house. And my kids know that we do this at this time and we do this at this time. And that doesn't mean that the schedule doesn't get off. It happens all the time, but at least it's something to work from, you know, and that makes our days run smoothly. I know other people that that sounds absolutely awful and could never ever make that work and they have to have a totally different system you know and and I think you know this kind of touches on what we talked about before but it's okay to try different things and it's okay to to say well that works for this person but that would never work for me you know and you have to try things and figure it out yep I am very similar to Karen I am a scheduler um I have a neighbor who lives two doors down that is kind of the opposite and but she has a child who likes being on a schedule. And so she has had to adapt a little bit because that child never wants to be late and always wants to have their stuff done, you know, by a certain time. And so it's also adapting to each child as well. I, my kids all seem to thrive on some, they want to know what's coming. And so we start at the same time every day, snack times at the same time every day. Cause otherwise they're eating all day long. I don't know if anyone ever has, you know, hobbits in their house. Um, yeah. <laughs> lunch is at the same time we do recess with our neighborhood at the same time. And so it just, it helps us to kind of stay on track. And I know that doesn't work for everybody. And, um, what I find is if we're having one of those days and you know what I mean, I, we will take a five minute break and everybody's got to move. So whether they are going to stay inside and do a quick workout, like five minutes, or if they're going to run a lap, um, and then we come back and we try again, I find for me, if we take longer than that, my whole day is derailed. So I try to make my breaks short and we're like, okay, we're going to regroup. We're going to start again. All right. And here we go. You know, like almost like resetting a scene of a movie, um, trying to really, just bring it back. I mean, like, okay, let's, you know, shake out all those, the negatives, whatever was screaming or, you know, yelling, <laughs> crying. We're going to, we're going to stop that. And we're going to try again. Yeah. I've definitely been known to, especially when my kids are, are little and even littler than they were now that have days when they, they get those kinds of days, we all have them in there. They can be really rough sometimes to just be like, we're done. And we're all going to the park for an hour or two hours or whatever. And then we'll come back to this later. And I like that personally about a four-day work week. We've always stuck with that because it gives us some flexibility to say like today is just, it's just not going to happen. And it's going to end with mommy in confession because I yelled too much and it's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're going to go feed the ducks at the park and read a book when we get home and we're going to try again tomorrow, you know, (laughs) I know some people really push back about against this um, idea of planning. They feel that planning will bring them anxiety, 
But I find more often than not planning frees us from anxiety because we know that we're going to accomplish things within a given uh, space of time. And so we can breathe and be okay with um, some movement. And I recommend planning some grace into your schedule each day and each week and each semester so that if someone gets sick or there's an emergency that doesn't have to derail the entire week or semester or, you know, school year, build some grace in there um, with your planning so that you can breathe when those situations happen and know that you have room to flex around life. I love that. It reminds me of Stephen Covey's seven habits, you know, put first things first. And all of you, since you're advisors, and if you have to have these anchor points because it's like, well, I have to go to a meeting here or I've got a meeting with a parent here. I mean, so those are kind of non-negotiable to a certain extent. So it's like, well, if you want to do get your help with math, you have to get it before here or after here because I can't move this. And I, I think, I mean, some parents maybe not, don't even need that, but I think parents should keep in mind that you can do that. You can say, no, this is my time every day with this child. So I'm sorry, I gave you time beforehand and I can work with you after, but now is this important time doing this thing and and I'm not going to move that unless there's, you know, a complete disaster, but uh, you know, I think that I think that helps though to kind of create those those things so it forces people to be more disciplined to some extent. Maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but I I think almost universally it's helpful. Yeah. This is one of the things I learned from my mom. It, writing in a planner, absolutely. Everything gets written in pencil except for things like birthdays and anniversaries or feast days. Yes. Those are the things that are in pen. Everything else is in pencil because, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm such a planner, yes. But things happen and having to be flexible, that that ability to kind of roll with it and hold things loosely that otherwise it's not pretty. But yeah, penciling things in, yeah. With the intention of keeping them, you know, unless something comes up, of course, but having the having the framework gives us the freedom to respond in the moment better. Yeah. I think. Yeah. God seems to have a way if we if we start holding on too tightly to those schedules, he finds a way to, <laughs> to either break us or make us start laughing at at one one way or another. We're gonna be in tears or or in in laugh in laughter because it's like really this is happening now when uh, (laughs) or both at the same time sometimes (laughs) or both (laughs) yes and then it's like how is this going to work for good okay you have to take that on faith that that's somehow going to bring some good from that but mm, it's hard to see it right now yeah okay so things that help us here when when the wheels fall off a school day i was trying to think through some of that Read alouds, I think, are awesome reset buttons. They have been for yeah. our family. And it. I um, kind of cringe to think how hard I bang my head against the wall resisting that or have in the past when I'm just mm-hmm. kind of auger in and try to keep things on track when they're clearly going off the track. And if I would just stop and read a book out <laughs> loud or run around the block or have a snack or, you know, any number of things, how that really would help us get back on track or call it for the day and come back again the next day. So, yeah. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, if there's a hard season, if a family is going through a hard season of, of life, uh, again, the Colby advisors are wonderful in helping families navigate those tough seasons 
if if they are aware of them. So here's another occasion to make the advisors aware of that. What, what do you all think? Do you have some thoughts about um, when families are encountering whatever hard season it is? I know it's very specific to these circumstances, but do you have a few thoughts about how to approach those in a sort of general way? Um, when I when I talk to families that are, are having a really hard time in a particular season, especially something that's temporary, you know, we're talking about six months or three months or, or whatever, we talk about what we can what we can cut, right? Like like you you have to do reading and you have to do math and but maybe we don't need to do geography for the next three months. Like we can we, we can be okay with that, you know, and, and where we can trim things and and economize, right? To try to, to try to hit the essentials and give you some more grace to deal with what's going on in your house at that time. Yeah, I think lean into the grace that's available with the um, focus that you have to find in those seasons Mm -hmm. and what, what you can leave off, like Karen said, and what you have to tend to Um, prioritizing first, I think tending if it's, you know, a time of mourning or loss, tending first to the hearts of everyone in your family and making choices based on um, what will help them through that particular moment. But then also down the line, you know, if you cut too much, their future situation, (laughs) you know, you're, you're setting them up for something that might not work out so well long-term. So sometimes we have to, even in those hard moments and hard seasons, we need to focus in on those times. Yes, of course, but also um, take a wider view if we can um, with our choices. Yeah. What is that uh, quote? That's like, uh, I pray for a day every day and on busy days, I pray for two hours or, you know, you know, like you add more prayer, the busier you are. And we, when we got, we had a really hard season when our youngest was born. I just, I feel completely overwhelmed. I know no one's ever felt like that, but um, (laughs) I was just at the point where I couldn't figure out, like everybody was acting out. And so we doubled down on the amount of time we spent in prayer together. And I found that I had to model it, even when I didn't necessarily feel it, um, modeling, being kind to every, every child, every sibling, um, and really taking that time. And we started doing the rosary together. And I know that sounds really hard for those with little kids, um, but I'm not one of those that they have to all be sitting. My kids don't sit a lot at all during the day. Um, So they, you know, they're walking in circles or, you know, standing on their head, praying the rosary. And if you're bringing them to mama Mary and she's bringing them to her son, there's just so much grace in that. So always just turn to prayer if you can. I'm sure there's a lot of kind of forgiving or forgiving yourself or as a as a homeschooling parent if you're the the one doing that to to not what do I mean by that but not take it personally as a personal failure like you failed as a parent and as a as a person when things aren't going well but just like it's it's be, you've already succeeded by being there day day by day by putting putting in the time and then you know you can reach out try to solve those problems but i think i think it's important to remember it's if you're if you're putting in the work and trying to be and kind and do the prayer make it work by talking to your advisors and things that you're succeeding so so yeah it seems like 
to, you have to be careful not to think that the difficulties are all your fault too necessarily or take mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. or they have to solve them all yeah yeah i think that's a good point it actually do you guys notice that um in difficult times and when there are difficult seasons it seems like those difficulties multiply yeah. and a lot of yes um i mean i've with other military wives of course multiple things break in the house when your spouse is deployed <laughs> mm -hmm. you know of course um you have to go to the hospital because someone <laughs> fell or um you know something like that and it does seem like i feel like if we can just acknowledge that in some seasons things are really rough you know and just be like this is a rough season and it's not going to last forever but um this is a rough time and wow look it's multiple um, difficulties here. It's not just one thing. And usually that's what makes it a really challenging season is it's not just this one thing. It's all of these things at once, you know, yes. and it's a common experience for all of us. And I think sometimes if we can just acknowledge that, okay, this is rough and I'm not the first person to experience this, but at the same time, this challenge is real and this is hard. Um, it doesn't really solve anything, but sometimes it makes me feel better to just say, yeah, this is a rough season. This is where we're at right now. And I kind of sit with the, the, and the truth of that and just acknowledge it um, helps a little bit for me, at least sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah, acknowledging the reality of it. Yes. Uh, choosing, choosing your response in a, in a way too. I mean, even though it's not easy in the time, but if you're able to gather yourself and just say, I can't believe this broke after all of these things and laugh about it. You can kind of choose to not let it just sit there and fester and be ruin the rest of the day because like what's going to happen next, you know, kind of sort of thing. It's, it's not easy to do, but you can remember, well, God's in charge. Okay. So what's he doing here? I don't know, but <laughs> it's funny <laughs> in some ways, you know, if you can step back, but uh, yeah. Yes. We have a question from a listener pertaining to those things we know we are all very familiar with, I'm sure, and that is uh, the sibling interactions when those kind of go south a little bit. She's wondering how to lead her children in practicing kindness and forbearance as the saints would do and how to help the siblings love each other, take good care of each other, treat each other well. So I would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. I, I truly read that question and was like, I want that answer too, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think know. There's, there's something to be said for, I mean, sure. Or, you know, I can tell you what I do when my kids fight, right? Like, and I always want to hear what other people do when their kids are fighting. Um, sometimes I feel like that's helpful and other times not so much, <laughs> you know. I think so. it really depends on the root of the problem, right? So, and it might be yeah. different for each child. So whatever the issue is that's going on at home, maybe one child feels neglected. Maybe one child feels put upon like they're carrying the weight of the family. Maybe one is angry. And so spending time individually with each child, not necessarily to talk to them to figure out, but to maybe take time and say, okay, you have an hour with me. Let's, what do you want to do? You want to go for a walk? Do you want to go get a coffee if they're old enough, you know, whatever, um, to really spend that time to maybe dig down what is happening 
because right. The, the fighting is the manifestation of the inside. So, and I have to remind myself that when my own children fight daily, um, there's not, you know, there's never a perfect day where no one's not fighting. Um, no one is not fighting. There we go. That's a grammatically correct sentence. Um, it just finding that, you know, what, what need is not being met. And so I do have a, I have an attention seeker and I have one that has issues with anger and trying to figure out why, like what's causing that. Um, yeah. and one that yeah. feels like the weight is not on their shoulders. I do think that's the thing about homeschooling families, especially larger homeschooling families, right? We're all together all the time. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like when your kids are going to school and they spend six, eight hours, you know, in the day in a classroom away from their siblings, like, and I'm not saying that then they don't fight, you know, they, they do, it's, it still happens, but we are all together all the time. And so finding ways to spend time, like one-on-one with each child, which is unbelievably difficult, right? And and we right. try constantly and, and pretty constantly fail. But I do feel like that that's important. They, they need that, right? They need to feel like they're valued individually beyond just their place in the family, you know? Yeah. yeah. It seems like, at least in our family, a couple boys together, but you're helping them to set boundaries because I think like you're saying, they're together the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, let's start playing a game. And then inevitably somebody is having more fun than the other, or they want to play it longer. And then that becomes a fight just because, you know, being able to sit down with them and say, okay, when you start this game, you're going to say, we're going to play one game or we're going to play for 30 minutes. And if you need my help doing that, let's do that because I can't have you ending every every time you start playing together. You play until you fight. That doesn't work. Yeah. So so let's try to set up boundaries <laughs> so you can get away. And then after half an hour away, they're ready to come back and do it again. You know. But but we've had to do things like that to kind of help them get a little separation. I think even. We also do in our house, like everybody is allowed to say that they want to have some time by themselves. Like that's, that's an okay thing to say. And if you come and you say, I want some time by myself, then you have a place you can go. You know, everybody kind of has a spot and they can go in that place. And, and a lot of times I'll find they want to spread out when they're doing schoolwork and they want to be away from each other and spread out and kind of have their own time and, you know, listen to their music and, and whatever, you know, they want to do in it and have that kind of private time and then they're ready to come back and and play but if you're playing and you're not happy with what's happening just like what Steven said I mean that happens a lot and and so we teach our kids to say I need a few minutes by myself and I I'm gonna go have some quiet time and they can go to a personal space also when they fight make them do an act of service for the sibling that they were fighting with and I do think sometimes that resets your mind a little bit and and we celebrate that we celebrate serving your siblings and your family and making sacrifices you know and and we we have like a little sacrifice jar and every time you do something you can put it in it and then we'll go get ice cream or you know do something to celebrate like this is what god calls us to do and this is and this is how we're supposed to treat the people around us i love that yeah it doesn't always work but i think i think with conflict too um it's very easy to boil the situation down to um, identifying who to blame 
And that's not always the most helpful way to resolve conflict um, between siblings in particular. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you need to take a different approach um, where you're not necessarily identifying blame because then to the um, listener question, then the self-defense stuff, of course, the walls start going up and it separates us, right? So it's not always the best way to um, resolve conflict and mend relationships. And then the other thing that I think of when I think of sibling relationships, but really it applies to all relationships is, you know, a lot of times I think we have this um, complementary relationship with the people we work with or the people in our homes and these people have been brought into our lives for a reason. And sometimes with our siblings, it's very interesting the way we rub one another the wrong way. But a lot of times it's, it's this um, grace that God's given us by placing these people in our lives who sort of force us to stretch and grow. They're, they're complementary to us and it's um, a blessing in a way. It's very hard to see when they're rubbing you the wrong way, of course. Yeah, yep. But I think if we can start, um, instead of identifying blame so much, identifying ways that the people in our family are complementary to us and helping us to grow in the gift that they are, that sort of perspective change can be helpful um, in, in conflict situations, I think. Yeah. And I'm still learning this personally myself. I'm still growing and learning these things in in a practical way myself. So I'm not speaking from a place of authority, more like this is what I've, I've been learning and and growing through myself over the last um, many years. No, I don't feel like I have any authority to speak on that. Like I'm, I'm no better of a parent than any of these other people, you know, I'm still struggling and trying, and this is probably not all that podcast helpful, but it's funny with my kids because <laughs> I'm an only child. I, I have no siblings. And so I look at my kids and I'm like, what is wrong? Why are you fighting? Don't you understand? This is the best thing ever. <laughs> like I had to play board games with myself and it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you tell that to them and they're like, I wish I could play board I games know, by myself. They do. And I'm like, you just don't understand. And they're like, you just don't understand. And I'm like, that's probably true. <laughs> that's funny I my sister and I fought like cats and dogs growing up um and we're best friends now like I talk to her every day um we try to spend a week or two during the summer together and really build those cousin relationships but we enjoy each other's company so I do I think that complimentary personalities that Erica was talking about was so beautiful and it's so true and that it took a lot of growing for both of us to realize she makes me better. And I don't, I don't know that she would say I make her better, but she makes me better. <laughs> I'm sure she would. I say that to my kids a lot too. Like when you're adults, your siblings, you're going to love having these siblings. Like when it's 3am and you feel terrible and the baby won't stop screaming, it's your sister. You're going to pick up the phone and call, you know, like yes. when something horrible happens and you need help, right then you're going to pick up the phone and call your brother. Like that's who you have in this world forever, you know? And they don't really get that. Yeah. They look at me like, what? <laughs> I tell my boys, uh, this is the probably the longest relationship you're going to have in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's worth investment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
Okay. So much good stuff in this conversation. As we're wrapping up, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways you'd like our listeners to carry with them as we finish up this episode? I, uh, I took a note on this just because I have needed to hear this many times. You're doing a good job. You are enough and you're exactly who your children need. So don't doubt that God put you there for a reason. I don't think I could possibly say anything that was more perfect than that. You're here. Right. That's perfect. <laughs> I probably re reiterate what uh, Karen was saying though. Call your advisor. <laughs> if it's a question or even if yeah. it's just, I need prayers, they can get, get you on the Colby prayer board here with all the teachers and advisors praying for your family or mm. even yes. if that's all you or if you're an emailer, I know some personalities are emailers. Yeah. Email's okay too. No. Just reach out though. Reach out yeah. some way. Email's great. Reach yes. out early and often. Yeah. And what yeah. what works for one family may not work for yours, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're doing something right, you're doing something wrong. It just means you're different. So it's okay to be different. And it's okay to try things, even if they don't work it's always okay to, to try something. If it goes poorly, you can try something else, but it's never bad to try, right? No, we can't know what we don't know. That's right. How would we know otherwise? All right, Erica, Karen, and Kristen, thank you so much for coming to visit with us and for all of your work and the care you take of our Kobe families. And we wish you all the very best. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the ColbyCast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>